You know, a lot of times you do like you have to move and leave your friends and stuff. So the life's gonna move on. The military's gonna move on. So you gotta learn to kind of get yourself together and be like, all right, this is gonna be how life is now. And you know, you have to keep a positive attitude, but also you gotta heal from what you dealt with. Because if you don't heal from it, it's gonna continue. Wherever you're going, the next person that you meet, and then it's gonna, you know, dump it all out. Then working on yourself, it's hard, but you know, you have to do it. Thinking of having your own podcast? Check out Anchor.fm. It's the easiest way to make one, and it's what I use for my podcast. What is life like for a military family? Hello, troopers. Welcome to the Afterthought on the Military Family Podcast, where you will hear stories straight from a military wife. And I am your host, Mommy Rich. Excited to explore adventures as a military family? Let's get started! Dictionary indicates that a person with a pretty face is pleasing to the eye. (laughs) But my guest today is more than just a pretty face. She was born in the Philippines, grew up in Boston, has been in the military service for six years, and she was stationed in San Diego, California beforehand. Not only that, she does physical therapy, loves snorkeling, she is a good cook, Though I have not tried her dishes, but I will in the future. <laughs> but to keep herself healthy, she does CrossFit training. And of course, she is a travel bug. Who doesn't love to travel, right? So let us all welcome to the show, Mac. What's up, everybody? <laughs> hey, Mac. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Nice, nice. It's a chill day, hopefully, for you. It is. It's been a long week, but the weekend is here. So That's great. Good for you. Okay, so I will not eat much of your time. Let's begin with this episode, shall we? Let's go. Nice. Okay, so of course, everybody will be so curious to know, Mac, what was your reason for joining the military service? Yeah, actually, I got tricked into the Navy. Out of high school, cooking cooking was my passion. I got accepted into my dream culinary school, which was Culinary Institute of America. And I actually went to like a special low tech school for culinary during high school. And we had a uh, restaurant in the school that was open to the public that the students ran. And then one day we were out of foil. So my chef said, go get some uh, foil from the cafeteria. And we were there, there was a Navy recruiter and, you know, as a young teen, me and my best friend was like, oh my God, a man in uniform, let's go talk to him. We were in their little um, chef uniforms and he goes, hey, you know, the Navy needs a lot of chefs right now. You could be cooking for admirals and traveling the world. And I was like, what? <laughs> Sounds awesome. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like two months before graduating. I was set on going to culinary school. I was like, you know, maybe that's not a bad gig. So, um wrote down my information, and then this man just wouldn't stop calling me, the recruiter. Of course. He wouldn't stop bugging you after that. Mm-mm, no, I don't have anybody in my family in the military, so I don't know how it's like or anything, you know? I was like, all right, let's go talk to him, see what it's about. And then okay. I went with my parents to go see him. I was like, that sounds like it could be fun. So went to MEPS, 
I don't know if you know, but like a CS in the military, they don't, their life is not like all grand. They basically work in the cafeteria and hospital or ship and they're like, they don't really cook. It's all like frozen and like they just kind of heat it up, you know? So not like cooking for admirals. So I went to MEPS and I think this Filipino chief was looking out for me because you know, I went, everything goes, so what do you want? And he was like, I said, oh, a CS, which is like a cook, culinary specialist. He like literally looked for like five seconds and he goes, mm, we don't have that. <laughs> He's like, what's your second choice? And that's when I said, you know, anything medical. Cause at that point I didn't even know what a corpsman was. I just wanted to be a cook. And he said, we got corpsman. And then that's at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just do this for five years. I'm gonna travel, get some school for free. And then, you know, we'll go from there. So I went home, looked up what a corpsman was, found out they had physical therapy and I played sports my whole life. So I was like, you know, that's something I could do. So I went to, to A school and then found out they had physical therapy. I went there after my A school and here we are. <laughs> so I basically, that's how I got tricked into the Navy. <laughs> right. The rest is history. Wow. That was really a, a gist of how everything started. So, yeah, you did mention, okay, nobody in the family was in the military or is in the military at the time that you were tricked. You were tricked. So, well, you did mention that your parents were with you when you went to see these, you know, this recruitment or to apply or inquire about it. But what was their reaction when you told about this recruitment? Thing or a rec- recruitment guy, and what happened after you guys went to MEPS? Honestly, I think they were just very supportive. I know it was like different for them, but my mom is a nurse, and she told me not to be a nurse because it's a lot of work and you don't get paid enough. So it's really funny how I ended up, you know, still in the medical field, but it's something that I love to do. My parents have been very supportive this whole time, and they're very proud of me. So. Yeah, there wasn't like, you know, don't do anything like that. They were just there to support me. So, yeah. That is so nice. That is that is very nice to hear. Do you have siblings? I do. I have one older brother and then one younger sister and one younger brother. So, okay. two boys and two girls. <laughs> what was their reaction when they heard or when they found out that you're joining? Honestly, they're kind of shocked, like, you know, like, what, what are you doing? Because this is like not a thing my family does. But same thing as my parents, you know, they're just, you know, going along with the ride, seeing where it takes me. And they all want to visit me wherever I'm at. So, you know, it's I guess it's a plus for them. Nice. You got a place to stay and a tour guide wherever they go. (laughs) Right, right. It's not only you who gets to travel, but them too. That is so good. Okay. so. You're in the military now. Was there like a chance for you to, or getting curious of the other branches? Like why Navy? Or did you think about joining or exploring? What if I try Marines or or Army or Air Force perhaps? Actually, no, I think the Navy is only because I that's the recruiter that I saw the most at my school, to be honest. And then even though I played a lot of sports growing up, I didn't think I was like up to that caliber of like fitness level where like Marines or Army. And I did some research on the Navy and it's like, oh, that's not too bad. I think that's something I could do. Yeah, because you're into sports. What sports were you doing in high school? Oh, I played volleyball and softball like all year round. So 
Yeah. Wow. You're really pretty active even at a young age. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I think a lot of it was my parents pushing us, but you know, I enjoyed it while I was doing it. So, Will you be able to say that you being physically active and sporty, I would put it that way, do you think was that a good help for you at the time that you were in the boot camp? Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of boot camp, honestly, is more mental than physical, but definitely being fit and stuff helped me with the, the physical aspect because it's not honestly not too bad physically. But can you describe how was it like during your stay in the boot camp? The first night, a lot of us actually cried because you like sit in your bed at night and you're like, it's actually happening, you know, like, what am I doing? Is you're not used to the, the yelling and all that. It's like, what, I didn't do anything, you know? You're just getting yelled at for everything that you do. But you kind of come together because you all have to work as a team. That's like the main thing about boot camp is like one team, one fight. That's the Navy's like motto. Because if one person like fucks up, then like everybody gets punished. So you, everybody's got to be like up to par. At night is where you like get to uh, talk to people because that's when they leave you because the Navy has to give you eight hours of sleep. So once they're gone, it's then everybody's like, all right, everybody, you got to fix this, this and that. A lot of times it's annoying because that's when people want to like discuss things, but you just want to sleep. But that's when you can like go over to other people's rack and like talk to them about like who you miss and like what letters you got and all that. One of the reasons I actually came to Guam is my rack mate from boot camp like we shared the same bunk bed she's from guam and was like hey girl like i'm coming to guam yeah oh that's so nice so it i mean she's still here she's still here she's a uh, master arm so like military police but yeah she's local and fortunately she got stationed in guam but she's actually about to leave to go to san diego after so she can finally leave the island yeah, but it's good. I mean, keeping your communication with, you know, the people that you were with in the boot camp, years after, you're still in contact. And now, like, you know, you may be crossing paths in assignments for all you know. And here you are, you're together. But yes, as what you've mentioned, she'll be leaving soon. But what matters is the, the friendship has been intact for the whole time. It seems like you've really, you've built a second family in the boot camp. Yeah, that's the, the bigger part about the military. You move around so much that you have to make a good group of friends wherever you go, where you can call your family because, you know, you're all facing the same thing. You're all far apart from your family. So you got to have a good group of friends to kind of have somewhere to go to and, you know, you can do stuff. That is true. Did you ever feel the regret? of joining and you just wanted to quit and get out yeah i think it's times when you like miss major life events or your siblings and your cousins like you know a graduation or a birthday or a new cousin born you're like you know i wish i could just leave and go home like right now right but that's just life you know true i can relate there has been a lot of family celebrations gatherings weddings, all of the important, and let's see the happy and the not so happy events in, in our families, yeah, that we are forced to not be part of because of the work. Well, of course, I am expressing my thoughts as a military spouse, but especially for you guys that are active duty, 
then the more that you can't just leave your work and fly or, you know, travel back whenever you want. It's not like that, right? Yeah. It's difficult. How long was your adjustment though, Mac, in this homesickness thing that you were pulling, pushing yourself to the point that, okay, I, I think I can manage now. I'm good. How long was that transition? I actually don't think I was really homesick until I was stationed in Guam and COVID hit. And that's like the, the longest I've been away from family, right? Because when I was in San Diego, California, I was able to go home at least once a year, see my family, or they flew out to come see me. So I haven't seen my parents and my siblings since 2019. So that kind of hit hard. But, you know, I think COVID put the whole world on stop. So I don't think it's just me. But definitely being so far away, it kind of hit harder, especially being isolated in an island where it's literally isolated, you know. Uh, I'm pretty new compared to you here in Guam. But I've started to feel the limitations, especially with the resources, the supplies and stuff like that. I can feel it. What more for you that you've been here even right before COVID? Pre-COVID, during the height of COVID and kind of after now, it's calming down. But, you know, it kind of adjusted and just kind of accepted that this is how life is going to be for now. And, you know, just kind of go through day by day. So, yeah. You've answered my question, like, what what are your takeaways during the COVID times? So, yeah, you got the answer. You hit the answer right away. <laughs> a lot of FaceTime is saving grace. <laughs> I know, isn't, like, thank God for technology. But how was it in the boot camp? Were you snail mail's letter at the time? Like getting letters? yes. Yeah, um, my parents wrote me a lot, and then my best friends actually wrote me, but their stuff got sent to the junk and didn't get sent to me until, like, the last week of boot camp. And I was like, oh, my God, they don't love me. They don't care about <laughs> me. I, like, literally wrote angry letters to them. I was like, you guys don't care about me. And then, like, at the end of boot camp, it was, like, a stack this big, like, 15 letters from them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Gary mentioned to me about the importance of the letters and how it really helps for you to really survive. At first, you, in general, you may have probably set aside the importance of, you know, family because they're always there. You get to see them. You get to talk to them. But during the boot camp, I think that's where the realization kicks in that these letters are like the symbol of your family, that they're actually very important and that you prefer to actually be with them. Yeah, because at night, they hand out the mail in front of everybody, right? And if you're sitting there and you're the only one or some of the people you don't get mail, you're like, damn, didn't care about me tonight, uh -huh. you know? But also, if you do have mail, you can kind of reread it. Or like my parents sent me pictures too. That really helped me oh, um, along nice. with the letters. So. Yeah, if you have something to look back on, it kind of keeps you going. So definitely very important to even just have random people write you. I totally agree. Okay, so, okay, you're out in the boot camp, obviously. Where was your very first assignment? Was it in San Diego? San Diego, yeah. We went to a school for, you know, Corman School in San Antonio for six months. But then I was in San Diego for two years as my first duty station. Okay, and then after San Diego was Guam. Not yet. I went back to San Antonio to go to physical therapy school. 
and then I went to Bowie. I see. And how long was the the PT? PT school is about six months, so it's a, it's a specialized school. So you know, everyone's a corpsman, and then you can specialize in the field, and that's what I chose to specialize in. So, may I ask, amongst all the medical courses, why PT? You're the second corpsman I'm talking to right now, and I'm really curious. So, why PT? Why PT? You know, I wanted to be a cook, right? Never wanted to be in the medical field. But I played a lot of sports growing up. So it's basically, you know, working out. It's not really nothing medical. It's just <laughs> me telling people to stretch in a workout. So I was like, it's kind of a life hack. You know, I'm in the medical field, but I work in a gym. So that's really why. <laughs> that makes sense. Nice. Okay. Are you able to use it for yourself, whatever you've learned about the PT thing? Oh, for sure. I have a lot of friends that be like, oh, this hurts. I strained this. I strained that. How can I stretch this? So definitely I use it a lot for myself and my friends will, you know, use me as a resource <laughs> a lot since they don't want to like go do see their doctor and do a referral and all that. They just come to me. <laughs> so I'm very curious to ask you about, because you've been here in Guam. This is your first overseas assignment, right? How are you liking Guam so far? When it comes to work per se, how is Guam for you? Guam as a command is a lot, lot smaller than my hospital in San Diego. Like San Diego has like 5,000 sailors in the command and Guam maybe has 600. So it's like one sixth of the side. But I also did different work. I worked at like labor and delivery in San Diego and I work at PT here. We see a lot of kind of the local population here, Army National Guard for PT. A lot, very different, kind of get used to, but I love my job as physical therapy. So can't really complain. I make my own schedule. It was hard during COVID because we, everybody was kind of augmented to do help with COVID stuff. But, you know, as a PT tech, you don't really need PT. It's not like essential unless, you know, you had surgery. So I was able to do and help out with a bunch of COVID kind of tasks that the hospital needs. It's a good job. You want to kind of branch out and not just stay in the clinic. My leadership is pretty good at, you know, letting me do or experience other fields if I wanted to have some experience in it. Right. If, of course, after your service, far, far future, would you be inclined of doing PT work outside? Yeah. Actually, the Navy doesn't, directly accreditate you you have to take like five classes to kind of get it and to work as a PT outside but it's definitely something that's kind of still plan B plan A is still you know culinary cooking that's still like my passion yes but it's you know something I wouldn't mind doing you know you know what Mac you've been mentioning about you know cooking is your first love I can't wait to really try what is your specialty I just need to ask it and put it out there specialty i think my specialty is probably like shrimp alfredo like <gasps> but i make my own sauce add a little bit of cajun spice to kind of kind of change it up a little bit but either add shrimp or steak to like some fresh pasta that's like basic but always always good you know well that is good at least you do have your you know you have an, a plan really outside whether well, you get to do it right now. You still get to do it even in you're in the service. You get to enjoy the cooking and stuff. But especially when you get out, I'm sure if that's your passion, then go for it. 
This podcast is powered by Anchor.fm. Making a podcast is free and easy with Anchor.fm. Okay, so now that we're talking about, you know, the body say, what do you call this? The way to the man's heart is through his stomach. That's what they say. So if they find a pretty good cook as a girlfriend or a wife, then they're blessed. More than lucky, they're blessed. So now I'm going to go to that route. Been mentioning earlier about exes before joining the boot camp, but while you're in the service, did you have relationships while being here? Yeah, I've had uh, two major relationships since I've been in the military. Okay, so serious relationships. These are like long terms, like year. It took years or months. Yeah, last one was over two years. Kind of really ended bad, but you know. We are here. We're growing and yes. learning. Learned a lot from that relationship. So that's what matters most. And whenever I see your like your stories, the stories that you post, I'll just put it out there, Mac. I really love your posts, especially when you're when you and TJ. Hi, TJ. Shout out to you. <laughs> whenever you go to the beaches, I am like. Oh my goodness, I feel like I'm a mermaid seeing, you know, another mermaid whenever you're underwater. Like, you know, self-love reflects and I love seeing you enjoy because you deserve it. Thank you. I really love those stories whenever you post them. You really are a beach lover. You love going to the beach. I am. I am. It's kind of my peace. I just sit there, you know. And something I enjoy. So it is a good place to be stuck in. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And that's why Guam is really a good place for you. <laughs> because of the beautiful beaches. And not only that, as what we were talking about earlier, you're choosing to move forward with whatever had happened in the past. It's in the past. You've learned to move forward. You've learned to be more mature. And what matters now is the self-love that you do for yourself. So I guess the moving forward is also another discipline that you get to instill because of the trainings you did. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you do like you have to move and leave your friends and stuff. So the life's going to move on. The military is going to move on. So you got to learn to kind of get yourself together and be like, all right, this is going to be how life is now. And, you know, you have to keep a positive attitude, but also you got to heal from what you dealt with. Because if you don't heal from it, it's going to continue wherever you're going, the next person that you meet, and then it's going to, you know, dump it all out then. Working on yourself, it's hard, but, you know, you have to do it. So Very well said, Mac. I love that. I super love that. And I guess if I may just add, what you're doing may be subconscious. You are keeping yourself healthy, yes. But so that's the physical part. The emotional part is you are, you know, you're practicing self-love. And with the spiritual, you don't have to be religious just to be practicing spiritual values, right? But being at peace on your own is already a spiritual journey to having inner peace. So I guess in the military, as what you've said, yes, you can feel sad. You can be empathetic, 
with whatever is happening around you. But I guess one thing that the military had taught us is to move forward and don't get stuck in that situation because life will just go on, as what you've said. Military will go on. Military will not stop and wait for you to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it's time money. When you got to go, you got to go. You ready or not, they're going. <laughs> if we're putting it in a military perspective, enemies will not stop and wait. Are you ready to fire? Right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so that is a very good attitude. And just keep up with that lovely attitude. I like that. So, and keep those stories the post coming because I really enjoy them. <laughs> Thank you. I have a lot of people that tell me I should like vlog and stuff, but you know, thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, but you know, I feel like I kind of do it a little bit when I do like post my stories. So. Yes, please, Mac. If ever you're going to create the YouTube channel, I'm telling you now, I will be a subscriber and I will hit the notification bell. All right. I'll let you know for sure. And you'll never know when you're ready unless you try. So You're right. You're right. <laughs> See? That's why you give it a try, okay? Thank you. I'm sure you'll be a good one. Okay, so going back, we've touched base about the moving forward attitude because of the trainings that you've dealt with in the service. But I wanted to know more in terms of what are the things that you have adapted in the military life that you think you weren't like that before? It's definitely like learning not to take things personal because if somebody yells at you for something, they probably got yelled at it by somebody else for you to do it. So like, just do it because, you know, it's just something that has to be done. Like, just do it. Another thing is that you got to take care of yourself. Like, you have to take care of yourself because, again, nobody's going to wait for you. You got to take, like, time to work on it when you do have time so that, you know, you can properly take care of others. So Those are very good points. Yes, those are very good takeaways. If I may just ask, when you think about how was Mac before entering the military, was the younger Mac a little more sensitive before than now? Oh, for sure. Especially because I don't know if you believe in like astrology or whatever. I'm a cancer, so I'm supposed to be emotional and all that. And, you know, I joined right at high school. I was 18. I was young. I had to grow up a lot. But definitely, I felt like I've grown a lot. I matured a lot um, in the six years I've been in. I was like, I was made this way. It's not my fault. You know, I wear my, my emotions on my sleeve and that's just how it is. <laughs> right. I've actually read one good book where it kind of summarized itself in we don't need to be apologetic just because we're emotional. It's not something that's bad. It's not a negative thing, especially in the older times, you know, especially with women. We tend to be emotional. We cry a lot. We're sensitive. A lot of women are being bashed for being emotional. I just love the empowerment and this critical thinking that now is being, you know, shared to a lot of people, not just women who are emotional that, you know, get rid of apologizing or saying sorry just because you're emotional. It's part of your personality. Part of life too, yeah. So I'm a proud emotional person and you are too, Mac. <laughs> 
personally, I'll let you know how I feel. I think that's another thing I learned too is like, tell it how it is. It's easier than like beating around the bush. Like to tell people how exactly you feel so you can allow others to help you, you know? I agree 100%. Tell them straight. And I think that is also one Western culture thing, right? Being direct. Unlike for Asians and probably Filipinos, we tend to be, um, can I tell you something? Uh, something happened. Ah, we have a lot of, oh my goodness, can you just go straight to the point? Something like that. But yeah, in the military, you have to save time. Tell them what you need so that you can solve it or take action on it right away. Okay. I need to know from you, Mac, with whatever you've gone through, both in personal life and COVID and work, how do you take care of your mental health? First off, when it gets it got really, really bad, I did go see a therapist, right? That's the professional's. If you're at that point, go see one. Even though you might not like what they have to hear, they'll probably guide you in directions or, you know, things you probably know you like you have to do because you know what makes you, you know, calm. Like, you know, just remind you to do those things. But for me, again, it's like just being outside and like doing things by myself. So like I'll go snorkel by myself. But another thing for me is music. Like my family's into music. So I like to play the guitar, you know, get in my feelings. But kind of just like playing it by yourself in the, in, the, in a room, it kind of like, well, we just kind of let's it out. <laughs> nice. Oh, I didn't know you know how to play the guitar. We get to learn a lot about you. <laughs> but I do have a guitar downstairs that, you know, I'll play from time to time. That's a good idea. Yeah, you mentioned about definitely seeking professional help helps. And there is a lot of people out there who are still afraid because of the stigma. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In the military, do you still think that that stigma is present? Oh, for sure. Like 100%. Typically, especially in, in males, like, because they think a lot of it's like if they go to mental health, they can't go on this deployment or, you know, they'll be shunned upon. But if they actually go to mental health, they'll realize, like, there are way more people that they know to actually go, you know, to mental health because, as sad as it is, like a lot of people these days do have like mental health problems. Like it's just the way the society has just kind of gone. We're more isolated. We're like it's a different, you know, generation. And it's just something that's more common than people think it is, you know. It's the sad truth. It's the sad truth. We've seen a lot of mental health issues around the world in the military community. And it really pains, especially as what you've said, we're one small community compared to a big world out there. And it pains so much when we get to see in the news, for example, these brothers and sisters who didn't make it because of mental health issues. So it's a challenge, but I guess it's one challenge that can be overcome when you yourself is courageous enough to admit that you have a problem. Yeah, and that's the hardest part, yeah. Exactly, the acceptance, right? And then the courage to seek help. Uh, good for you. You you have that courage. Very proud of you. Yeah, a lot of it is honestly, again, having that good support system around you, right? Because for a long time, 
you know, I'd lean on them and, you know, they'd get me through. But, you know, once it gets real bad, you know, there's somebody else that's got to help you. So that's good to know. Okay. I'm going to ask for your advice to the other service members who you think or who you've heard that are struggling throughout the military journey. You know, I would say there's a lot of resources. You don't have to go to mental health. There's Queen and Family or there's the hotline. If you're scared that you don't want it to be in your record, there is a lot of different resources that you can use to go seek help. And like definitely I wouldn't wait, you know, quicker you get help, the better you'll be. And you don't realize how bad like you really are until you go. So I think the hardest part for me, for my healing was allowing myself to heal. You know, it's like I just wanted people to feel bad for me. But if you don't forgive yourself, can't really move on. That's like the first piece. So a lot of that is just having someone to tell you, like, this is what you need to do. Like (laughs) someone to point out your flaws, you know, you kind of need that sometimes. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Because even if there are a lot of instances that you actually already know what to do, right? I mean, you talk to yourself and yourself tells you, this is what you need to do. This is the right thing to do it. But you're just not in the proper state to do it. So your friends might probably want to, you know, they don't want to tell you that. They want to, you know, they don't make you feel worse than you are. And that's when, like, if you have a therapist, they'll tell you how it is. Like, they'll tell you how it is. So Yeah, so it helps a lot. My next question would be, are military families, so when I say families, it's not just the spouses, but including your parents and your siblings, and of course, our military service members, what do you think would we need from the society? I think they just need to realize, like, The military doesn't have a playbook of like how to deal with things, right? You kind of have to go through it and realize, oh, this is how I'm going to deal with this. And then I guess for me, it's like, I feel like I don't hear from them enough or tell them like, you know, they're proud of me. So I think that's a lot of like, hey, I'm, I'm doing okay. But even just that little like, hey, how are you doing? You know, like once in a while, it's good to hear from people back home. Like small appreciation thought of appreciation it doesn't have to be a big uh, preparation and stuff no does that mean that when you were still in the mainland you encounter random people approaching you when they know that you're in the military and would just say thank you for your service yeah i don't really like to like wear my uniform a lot but i think uh, whenever we would like for parades or I used to do color guards, so I did a lot of special events in San Diego. You know, it's it's good to hear that. And, you know, like, sometimes you get so caught up that, you know, you do this every day. You don't realize, like, you know, I'm actually, like, in the Navy. Like, not everybody does this. You know, it's not normal. You know, those are good little reminders to have. Yeah. We always say whatever number of years you are at in the service, those are sacrificed years. Yeah. So, Mac, how do you see yourself? In 10 years from now, like, do you still see yourself serving the military in the next 10 years? Why or why not? Right now, I don't think so. I think maybe one more duty station after this. So two to three more years and I'm out. I don't really see myself making it as a career just because of like mental health reasons and the culture it's becoming and how I I see how happy my friends are who are (laughs) out of the military but you know the other side of it's like you know it's a stable job 
I'll always have a home. I'll always have food. So with this economy right now, it's like, would I get out right now? Probably not. Like these gas prices are crazy. Food is not on the shelves. You know, I wouldn't be able to afford my house right now if I was just, you know, a civilian. So it depends on how, uh, I guess, the economy goes and uh, how life goes. But probably one more duty station after this one. Um, Nice. And of course, I'm very excited for the future that's ahead of you. Chef Matt, if I will call you that as early as now. (laughs) That is a nickname that I have. (laughs) Now I know. So it's really Chef Mac. Probably my last question for you, Mac. I remember you mentioned earlier you've made some research about, you know, the Navy, how the trainings will be like, how is it going to happen before you enter? Now you are already part of the Navy. My question is, has your perception changed from the time that you've, you haven't joined and done those research and now that you are part of it? I don't think it's a, a bad thing, but it's like people in the military are not very different from people you see every day. It's not like not everybody's buff and you know strong and motivated. These are regular people that do these jobs. And it's like, a lot of us are doing jobs that people go to college for, but we just learn it on the job, right? We're, we're forced to kind of just learn it because that's our job. But it's just everyday people who you work with. And it's amazing to see like people from all walks of life that you get to work with and encounter along the way. But I think the biggest thing is that like people think it's harder <laughs> to get in the military. I don't, it's like, you, you can probably do it as long as, you know, you have a little bit of mental strength. The physical aspect is not the hardest part of it. Nice. Yes, I agree. That's why they say, right, it's all in the mind. Doesn't really much matter. Please correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't really much matter whether you're a female or a male or, you know, you're part of the third sex. When you want to join the military, you can. You are able. It's just that if you can listen and take direction, that is all you need in the military. That is literally just following somebody's direction. You don't, like, you will be told what to do pretty much your whole career and boot camp the whole time. As long as you can follow directions, that's really it. <laughs> and if you can't, they can mold they can mold you into somebody that will. So Wow, yeah, basically that's it. Follow orders, as what you said. It's all in the mindset. And if you are able to fit those elements in, then so far you'll be good to go, right? Because even if you're a little, if you're a little out of shape or anything in boot camp, there is a program or a, a division they'll send you to. Well, that's all they do every day. They'll they'll PT to get you fit enough to graduate. Like in even in boot camp, if you don't know how to swim, you'll be put in a class every day to learn how to swim until you graduate. You know? Yeah. A lot of people in the join actually without knowing how to swim. Ironically. Oh my goodness. But yeah, Mac. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Of course. It was a pleasure. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for gracing my episode. I'm sure a lot of young people or young adults who will be listening to this episode will learn a lot from you. And I've said the courage that was built from what you've experienced in the military, personal life, you know, personal issues and all. And of course, the attitude now that you have compared before. It's its a really good learning experience for you. And probably, I'm sure there will be a lot of people out there or civilians that will feel inspired with 
what you've shared with us. So thank you so much, Mac. Thank you for having me. I hope, you know, inspire some people or get a, a different kind of aspect in the military when they see this. So thank you so much. And to our troopers, thank you again for joining us in this episode. And always remember, choose to be kind. Have a good day. Bye. Afterthought on the Military Family is a proud member of the Rumble Royale Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. If you are new here and enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast by tapping the bell to be notified of new episodes. This helps military families who want to live their best lives find the show. And if you would like to share your story, please connect with us through our Facebook page, Mommy Reg. And we would love for you to be part of the show. Remember, you are not alone. Until next time!